Welcome back to the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Our cohort Adam Sparks is on assignment this week. Should be back with us soon. So we got John and I talking some Tennessee football this week. It's uh, it's preseason predictions time. Of course, seems like it's been preseason predictions time for for a while now, but uh, Athlon's got their preseason rankings out, John, and uh, Athlon does it a little bit different. They're not, I say preseason rankings, but they're not really preseason rankings. They're actually end-of-season projections, so they're trying to predict where these teams are going to finish in the 2022 rankings after this season, which is, well, something a little different. I guess I kind of Kind of like that. You get a plenty of preseason rankings. They're they're uh, going to tell you how things are going to finish at the end of the year. And for Tennessee, it's actually pretty favorable. Athlon's got Tennessee projected to finish 18th in the rankings after this season. So before we get into the rest of the SEC, just what's your reaction to that, John? The Vols, top 20 team, do you think, when all is said and done? Yeah, I don't think that's a stretch. Uh, Tennessee has a lot of a lot of offensive firepower returning. Josh Heupel had a good first season as coach. Uh, the schedule is manageable, particularly the non-conference schedule. It was it was uh, nice of Jordan Addison, All-American wide receiver at Pittsburgh, to head west and go play for Southern California. That probably knocked took about six points off Pittsburgh's chances against Tennessee. So I, I, that was a plus for Tennessee. Yeah, I, I think that's okay. I know the defense is questionable, but I still think there are – Tennessee has so much offense. It averaged 39 points a game last season. It still has so much offense that it can outscore most of the teams on its schedule. So I'll buy into that. To me, if they're being projected – at 18th in the final rankings record wise that says what do you think they probably need to go at least eight and four during the regular season and maybe win a bowl game finish with at least nine wins do you think to get to 18th in the final rankings i mean that's sort of the way you have to kind of work through this right is yes is is Uh, kind of come up with a projected win total to me i think if you want to finish 18th you better win at least nine games i think yeah, and that's kind of where I have Tennessee. I have Tennessee with nine wins in the regular season, so they would come down to bowl. If you go nine and four and lose, but lose a bowl game, I'm not sure if you finish 18th. You could. You, that, there's so many variables there. See, I'm not as enamored with this uh, with Athlon's quote different way of doing things. I mean, when I pick a top 25. Or if I'm voting in the AP poll and I pick a top 25, I'm projecting where I think that team will finish. So that's kind of what Athlon does. So I think you might be overhyping the the difference in Athlon and all the other preseason publications. But I mean, you've you've got a great track record. You're SEC columnist for the Gannett Empire. So if you say it's a big deal. I'll go along with it. Okay. Did I say that? Did I say it was a big deal? I said it was something different, but I guess well, by I, doing I a podcast. Yeah, that, that's it. I interpreted that way. I mean, I think sometimes you overstate things, and I don't, you know, it's not a personal slight. Sure. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> Are you one of those emailers in my inbox just telling me I'm a hack and need to no, get out I, of no, town? No, I've never called you hack. Do people actually do that? Oh, that's the nice things they say, John. You know this. You've been writing columns for a long time. You know how it goes. Yeah, my hate hate mail is really is really in decline. I, I need to do something. I, I mean. Well, the Vols are in better footing than some of the dark days here. So yeah, and the days have been really have been really dark at times. So when you say when you say Athlon's government number eighteen, that's a that's almost a parade. It it feels to me maybe a touch high at, at eighteen. I was thinking more in the twenty to twenty five range for Tennessee at the end of the season, but that's you know, I think you're kind of splitting hairs at at that point. So maybe just a touch high though, but. To me, the bigger surprise than where Tennessee was in these Athlon rankings is the way the SEC was represented as a whole. Now, maybe this is just SEC homerism. I think we're certainly at, at risk of that, given that that's the conference we we cover and pay the most attention to. But as you look at these rankings overall, they have Alabama at number one, which I guess they're saying Alabama is going to win the national championship, which is not exactly going out on a limb. That's uh, that's what I think as well. And Alabama will be um, certainly the favorite to win the championship with as much as they return this year, including the Heisman winner and Bryce Young and Will Anderson on defense. And then you, you go down the line. Georgia's picked as number three. So that would say Georgia makes the playoffs, uh, but loses in, a, in the semifinal game. Texas A&M is at number five. Then you have a big jump. From Texas A&M, you go all the way down to Tennessee at 18, and then another little jump, and you have Kentucky at 21, you have Arkansas at 22, and that's the extent of it. No no Ole Miss in the rankings, no LSU, no South Carolina. What do you think about that? Is there anybody... You know, outside of Tennessee, the Athlon is maybe overvaluing and anybody maybe outside those top 25 that you would definitely have in your top 25. There are several teams in there. I, I think uh, LSU, when you look at what Brian Kelly did in the transfer portal, basically stole Arkansas's secondary. He's got two starters out of that. He's He added a, an all-Big 12 cornerback from Oklahoma State really helped his offensive line. And LSU might have the best receiving core in the conference. I think it does. And it's got potential at quarterback. So I like LSU to be in the top 25. And also, and I'm a little higher on South Carolina probably than I should be. Because I would I would agree with that. You are, yeah, I, I you know, are all I just, in. Yeah, I just, I, I was so down on South Carolina hey, last year. I mean, I even, I even wrote this. I'd probably like to, take that back, but that Vanderbilt could finish a high ahead of South Carolina in, in January of 2021. I'd kind of like to have that line back, but which uh, is, which is sort of disrespectful to Vanderbilt too. I mean, you know, the doors are, are all about that seller in the East for you to say that they, I know, and, you know and, for and, you to move them out of there. That's their spot. That's their spot. And you're, that's disrespectful to say that they, they no longer get to hold their spot. I mean, Tennessee stole their spot away from them a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of entrenched there, and I, I, I really probably overcompensated. You know, I I realized the error of my ways about by probably June, 
of 21. And so what was I thinking? So then I really sort of uh, pretty much bludgeoned Vanderbilt at every literary opportunity after that. That's a that's a good move. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah, I, I know you can't. And uh, so uh, I but South Carolina, because of the way South Carolina finished and it beat North Carolina in a bowl, which I didn't think it would do. It just won some games. I didn't think it could win. And uh, so maybe I've gone too far upward in my appraisal of South Carolina, but I'm banking a lot of that on quarterback Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. I mean, he'll, he'll drive into Columbia and with his fleet of cars, I guess he hires chauffeurs to, you know, commandeer some of them down the road, but he got a nice NIL deal. I don't know what he got. I mean, he could play for free at uh, South Carolina. He got so much money from Oklahoma. Uh, so I like, but I do like South Carolina's offense. And I think their defense is good enough in the East where, where it could make the top 25, maybe. I mean, I could see it winning, going eight and four. Is that a, do you think that's absurd? Uh, absurd maybe is a strong word, but mm-hmm. I would say it's a stretch. I know the the way you feel about South Carolina is is similar to the way I feel about Arkansas. So I I I'm glad to see. Well, I guess I'm not glad. I don't really care what Athlon does, but I I would somewhat agree with with Athlon's ranking of Arkansas. I would actually have Arkansas higher than 22nd. I might flip Arkansas in Tennessee also because Arkansas is going to have a better strength of schedule, but maybe the theory is because of that strength of schedule playing in the West, they'll lose an extra game. And so that's why, you know, Arkansas is at, uh, at 21 and Tennessee's at 18, but I would probably flip those teams. I'm, I'm perhaps overvaluing the hogs the way that I think you're overvaluing somewhat South Carolina. And then I also think, and we might agree on this Kentucky at 21 I know Will Levis is is getting a lot of preseason hype, and uh, you know the early mock drafts are projecting some of them have him projected as an early first round pick, and and Kentucky's schedule, as usual, is one of the easiest schedules in the SEC. Mark Stoops is the best coach at Kentucky since Bear Bryant, unless I'm miss, missing somebody. I think that's pretty undeniable. Mark Stoops is the best coach Kentucky's had in a long time since the Bear was on the sidelines. However, Mark Stoops also benefits from the fact that Kentucky, by the SEC standards, I mean, they get off with a pretty favorable schedule every year. Here, here's the first month of Kentucky's schedule. Open up against Miami, Ohio. Then they're at Florida, which is usually a tough game, but you know, I think is winnable for Kentucky this year, given the, the state of the program that Billy Napier inherited. And then you have Youngstown State and Northern Illinois. Here's a Murderer's Row in the month of September for Kentucky. And the crossover games, of course, Kentucky plays Mississippi State every year as its designated crossover rival. That's about as good as you can get having to play a crossover from the SEC West. And they also have Ole Miss this year, which is a road game. I think they might lose that. But point being, you can get to 8-4 and four if you're Kentucky this year without having to beat that much. And I feel like that's sort of the way it's been the last few years for Kentucky. You can get to a nice win total, and at the end of the day, it's like, well, who did they actually beat? Not that much. They just beat all the teams they were supposed to beat, which I guess there's something to be said for that, but I still think it's a little high at 
21 for Kentucky. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, if you're picking it to say Kentucky's the 21st best team in the country, I don't think either one of us believe that. No. But I don't see Kentucky winning at Ole Miss. And I don't see it beating South Carolina or Tennessee or Georgia. Gosh, so that that non-conference schedule is appealing. And I haven't really looked at Louisville to see how good Louisville will be this year. Do you have a take on Louisville? I don't. The game's in Lexington, so when I don't have a strong take and just look at the location yeah. of the game, be like, oh well, it's it's in Lexington, so I'll pick Kentucky. But I see. I just don't. Yeah, I, I don't see. I mean, Kentucky, even when it's better than this team, does often doesn't beat Tennessee. So I don't see it beating Tennessee. We've probably talked too much about Kentucky. Okay, don't, we'll don't you let let's just move away from Kentucky. We'll move on. Well, yeah. back to the. Actually, original point. Yeah, with Tennessee, I think with with the Vols this season, you're going to, and maybe it's like this a lot of years, but I think in particular this season, you're going to know within the first handful of weeks, really what type of season Tennessee can have. Um, you know whether this is just going to be kind of another ho hum, decent year, but it ends in something the equivalent of the Music City Bowl, or is something really special. Capable now. I mean, Ball State in the season opener is not going to tell you a darn thing. But then week two at Pittsburgh, and I know that game's a little bit different without Jordan Addison. But I still think you can you can get some early reads by a, a week two Power Five road game. I think that'll tell you something. And then they have Akron, which will tell us nothing in week three. But week four is Florida at home, and again, Florida is not what Florida has been in certain seasons and not what it might eventually be under Billy Napier, but this is still a Florida team that's had its way with Tennessee 16 times in the last 17 matchups. I think, you know, where is Tennessee after those those September games? Conceivably, Tennessee could be 4-0 coming out of September. If it does so, and I think, you know, you could project this out and say, Absolutely, Tennessee could be a top 18 team when it's all said and done. Could be a top 15 team. Um, you know, I think, what do you think? I mean, I I, th- I think we'll, we'll know within the first month of the season, really, whether this is just going to be an average year that ends in a run-of-the-mill bowl game or whether this is something where Tennessee could be striving, perhaps even at the upper reaches, maybe for like a, a Sugar Bowl bid. Yeah, I love to call games must wins. It just it just heightens the drama surrounding a game. A must win. Something dreadful could happen if you don't win. I mean your 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 fate will be sealed. Your uh, just envision a doomsday scenario if you don't win those games. But I see Pittsburgh and Florida as must wins for Tennessee if it hopes to rise above where it's been. I'm, it made progress last year winning seven games, seven regular season games. Not a great showing in the Music City Bowl and losing to Purdue. At least the defense didn't show, uh, didn't have a good showing. But So this is a chance to kind of rise above that seven-win plateau, which is a, has been a challenge for Tennessee for 14 years, only two seasons well, three, I'm sorry. I'm just counting that 
eight win season by Jeremy Pruitt. So, yeah, I think those are must. You have to win at Pittsburgh and you have to beat Florida. And I just don't think Florida is very good. If you just take away Florida's image and its track record against Tennessee and you just line up the teams, you'd say, yeah, Tennessee, that's a game Tennessee should win at Neyland Stadium. It's like if Tennessee doesn't beat Florida this year, I mean, they're just they're just spooked. They're cursed in that rivalry or something, right? I mean, there's no reason why, especially at Neyland, Tennessee should not win that game this season. And as I wrote about a week and a half ago, like the the Tennessee-Florida rivalry may not continue on an annual basis once the SEC reconfigures their schedule. We don't know exactly what direction the SEC is going to go in its schedule, but we do know that these are probably the final days for division play which is going to move some games that are played annually to being played every other year. And I do think that Florida-Tennessee game is a game, while it's not decided yet, I do think it's a game that could go into an every-other-year mode. So it's like this is this is the last opportunity here where you might be playing Florida every year, the last chance to, to maybe get the best of them on a regular basis, and, and they're down. It's like if Tennessee doesn't take advantage of this, then, I mean, close the book and maybe they just never never beat Florida again. I know I know Butch Jones got him in one time there, but really before that, you have to go back to when things were still going all right for for Tennessee and Philip Fulmer was on the sidelines before the Philip Fulmer era went went down the drain there. Uh, I mean, it's just it's really incredible in a bad way, I guess for the Vols how much that that series has tilted in Florida's direction. So this is, I think, I think calling that as a must win game is, is absolutely fair, John. And and I, I know, like you said, when you use that must win phrase, it's like, well, what happens if they don't, you know, it's not like you know, there's going to be cataclysmic uh, consequences, I suppose, but you, you just, know. you just fall into this giant sinkhole from which you never climb above. Just... Right. Maybe that should be the stakes, you know, maybe they should have something like that for a must win game. Somebody cast someone off into a sinkhole if you don't, but. Well, we we've seen, I, I mean, I look at other games in that schedule. You, you kind of write off Alabama and Georgia even though Tennessee should be better, you just do that instinctively uh, because you're talking about top five teams. But I see problems for Tennessee at both LSU and South Carolina. Road games, you know, winning in Tiger Stadium hasn't been particularly easy for Tennessee. In its last trip there, it lost a game. It actually celebrated a win and there. Derek Dooley's, I, I guess it was 2010, Derek Dooley's first season, they celebrated the win for about five seconds until uh, the officials summoned the teams back to the line of scrimmage for one more play that didn't go Tennessee's way, and then they could mourn another another loss. So I th- they, those are the proverbial swing games that I see, or South Carolina on the road, uh, a good offense against a shaky Tennessee defense perhaps and then uh, and then LSU which uh you know LSU has talent it it recruited well enough under Ed Orgeron there's some holes on the depth chart but still when you when you consider what Brian Kelly has done 
uh, with the transfer portal, some of those holes have been filled. So I think I, I think that's a tough game. Now, you, Kentucky, just because of Tennessee's history, I don't. I think that is a as a game Tennessee should win, and then we get into the Vanderbilt, Missouri's of the world, and the rest of the non conference schedule. It's set up pretty well. I agree. I, I think Tennessee's schedule is well positioned, and and I know that road game at Pittsburgh is is no layup even even after the transfer of Jordan Addison. But you have to play a Power Five opponent. That's a that's a requirement in the SEC. A Power Five non conference game, and it is tougher on the road. But um, I do think you know there are other SEC teams playing more challenging non conference games, and so overall. Yes, this is as manageable of a schedule as Tennessee's going to get in, in the current schedule construct where they have to play Alabama as, as an annual crossover rival. It's You're only going to get so many breaks when you're playing Alabama and Georgia every year, and, and I think this is this is about as good as it's going to get with Tennessee's schedule in, in this setup. The one, the one thing I do wonder, John, though, with, with Tennessee, are we overlooking the challenges that this defense might face this year. This this was a, I mean, calling it mediocre defense might be generous last year, but against the bad teams, Tennessee's defense was fine. Against the good teams, it was not and, and allowed an awful lot. And then when you look at what Tennessee lost, I think you can make a case that Tennessee lost its three best defensive players when you say, Alante Taylor, Matthew Butler, and Theo Jackson, all of whom were selected in the NFL draft. I think you can make a case that those were Tennessee's three best defensive players last year. I know the linebackers, um, pretty much on any team, the linebackers end up with more tackles, but I didn't, didn't see any all-conference linebackers running around out there for Tennessee. So I would I would take Taylor, Jackson, and Butler as the as the three linchpins of Tennessee's defense, Tennessee's mediocre defense last year, all three are gone. I think we might be over because of how much we value that Tennessee offense and, and really everybody does. And Hinden hooker comes back. I think they're going to be good at the skill positions. Yeah. They lost Cade Mays, but the other four starters on the O line return, it's going to be a good offense. No question about that. But given what they lost off an already shaky defense, we might not be thinking about that en- enough with a potential you know, stumbling block for this this Tennessee team this year. Following that theory, go back and look at the bowl game against Purdue. I thought that was a virtual lock for Tennessee to win, despite its defensive shortcomings, because I just thought it would outscore Purdue. And it didn't. I mean, that was one of the most abysmal defensive performances we've seen from Tennessee in a while against a team that's not a a top 10 team talent wise uh, what happened against Purdue I mean what was his name Aiden McConnell was a Purdue quarterback he passed for over 500 yards and five touchdowns hey hold on a second John Purdue was once the cradle of quarterbacks yes it was Mike Phipps comes to mind you, do you, you ever remember Mike Phipps? He was way before your time. I, do you I don't know, but he was he firmly in that cradle? Was He was in that cradle, a yeah. founding member of the cradle? Yeah, he was one of the guys in the cradle. Uh, but Purdue, I, it just went, it, it looked unstoppable. 
I mean, it'll look like Alabama offensively. It, it's tight end ran through a slew of would-be tacklers for Tennessee. It was just one highlight after another. So that that supports your concern, your theory that maybe Tennessee can't outscore everybody. I mean, again, go to that Columbia South Carolina game. Maybe where, where would you have the Gamecocks ranked, John? Let's just get that on record. You see them as a top five team, playoff team, top ten. How high are you going with South Carolina? I see it is higher than Arkansas. Okay. How's okay. that? Okay. You like right. that? You just do they, go... play, do they play each other? They probably ought to play a best of five as much as we're valuing those two teams. Just... Yeah, we should watch that. If they do, we should watch that game together and just scream at the television. Yeah. Uh, so that that's a good point. I, I think Tennessee's offense doesn't have much margin for error in that i mean it needs to just keep scoring just keep scoring and it did that in a lot of games last year to have hendon hooker back at quarterback if something happens to hendon hooker yeah tennessee has a problem i mean i don't think you can uh uh, stampede through the field with joe milton as your backup quarterback no but look alive if you're sitting in the stands (laughs) <laughs> particularly in the end zones he might uncork one the length of the field and well better be hits, paying attention if he hits an on rushing defensive lineman with his best fastball that guy's done for the for the game no question about yeah, that at all. That, yeah just pick him off one at a time and you won't have to worry about things so much uh yeah so that but when you look at the schedule which teams have enough offense to just to maybe do what Purdue did in that bowl game? Yeah, that's that's just it. I mean, I think if we use last season as a guide, Tennessee's defense was good enough against the so-so teams that uh, that its offense could could win the day. It's just you know, I think back to those losses against Pittsburgh and against Florida and against Ole Miss. Pitt in particular, I know, you know, so much of the Pitt talk from last year as well. If if Josh Heupel would have started the right quarterback there in week two, Hen and Hooker instead of Joe Milton, maybe Tennessee wins that game. Well, sure, I'll buy that. But if the defense wouldn't allowed forty one points, Tennessee wins. <laughs> Tennessee could win that game too. I think if we're using last season as a guide, it's like those toss up games of which last year, Pittsburgh, Florida, and Ole Miss were three. Those toss-up games, the defense didn't always do enough. Maybe you could flip it the other way and say, hey, Tennessee's offense just needs to score 45 points plus every game, and the offense didn't do enough. I guess you could make that case, too. Yeah, I I think one thing we should give Tennessee credit for, perhaps, strictly if you give credit based on wins and losses, was it's, scheduling decision to to eliminate army from the schedule and play Akron and, and you pretty much shredded the the school for that decision. Oh yes. And, and it's not, I mean, you know, it's not real courageous uh pass after you've already scheduled a service academy a team to say, no, we don't want to play you. I think that left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. But 
looking at it solely from a one-loss perspective, that was a good decision. To me, Army was a loss because of what you've been talking about, Tennessee's defensive liabilities. Army would just go with that triple option, would grind it out, would keep the ball. And I think teams with prolific offenses like Tennessee has that love to run that up-tempo, they get really antsy when they're, when they're on the sideline, when they can't get out there and just roar down the field. And I think that's exactly what would have happened against Army. So I think Tennessee won a game right there that it wasn't supposed to win. It's already won a game. It's I look at it as 1-0. Because well, I look at it as 2-0 because they're not losing a ball state in the opener. Yeah. And then you well, got an and- FCS game in there too. But I know t- some fans listening to this podcast will say, well, not so fast. They lost to Georgia State in 2019. But, I mean, come on. That's a Jeremy Pruitt effect, That right? was a Jeremy Pruitt team. Was, there's an asterisk by those games. So you're ahead of the game there uh, because our Army just – its offense was designed to to beat Tennessee, really. You don't want to play them in a bowl game, do you, like Missouri did last year? Tennessee doesn't want to play them at all, nor do they no. want to play BYU the following season. No. You think if Tennessee could – you think if it was allowed – you know, back in the day, you didn't – you didn't play that many conference games. You know, the old days, oh, as, yeah. as you remember, and I'm oh. left to read about, you'd be in a conference and, and you know, you'd end up playing like five conference games or something. You think if the rules allowed, Tennessee would just cancel a few of these conference games and schedule Akron and a couple more of these Mac foes uh, and fill it up and get to 10 wins and go two and three in the SEC. And that's that. Wouldn't it be awesome for the SEC? If the MAC was elevated to power status and it, it became a power six, power six grouping, I, I mean, because you you look at some of these schedules, it's got, it's got MAC all over it. I mean, it's just like, are they does is the SEC? Is there some kind of deal? Uh, is there some kind of conference alignment? You know, you have these. Big 12 SEC showdowns in basketball. Is that what this is about? Every You line up with MAC teams and play them? Well, I got Kentucky's schedule still open in front of me. Tennessee's opening <laughs> with Ball State in week one. Kentucky's got Miami, Ohio. A couple weeks later, Tennessee's playing Akron. No thanks, Army. We'd rather have the Zips in town. And then, lo and behold, Kentucky's playing Northern Illinois. So, yes, I think uh, for, some, for some in the SEC, they – they pick up the phone and dial up the Mac as much as possible. I've got an idea for a future podcast this summer. And which Mac teams should the oh. SEC add into the conference? No, no. Write the SEC Mac Mac matchups in it's order hard to of say. Mac matchups. Mac matchups. In order of uh SEC likelihood of a just uh, overwhelming victory. I mean, I would start probably with Tennessee and Akron. I don't know if off the top of my head if Alabama has dipped into the sure wins, but I'm just thinking maybe there got to be seven or eight SEC games against MAC teams. I challenge you to do a MAC power rankings, John, in advance of all these important non-conference games against the MAC. I mean, it, it really is the sister conference to the SEC at this point. So I do think, you know, everybody's got their SEC power rankings and I know, I believe you've done them and that's, that's all well and good. It's part mm-hmm. of your job in the off season. That's fine. 
But how many people out there, I know there are some, but there are far fewer folks doing a Mac power ranking. So I would challenge you to do that because I I need to know more about these these Mac teams. What do the Zips pose as a threat to the Vols in week three? You don't know at this point, but I do think if you did your extensive research and, and got to work on these power rankings, not only would you prepare yourself for better coverage, you'd prepare everybody listening to this podcast, all of our readers, to know which Mac teams pose a threat to the SEC. What do you think? Mac power rankings coming maybe late June, July? It sounds good. And you, when you mention the fans and just uh, you could say it's a win-win, but then when you think about it, when you really do, if you're actually in the process of doing Mac power rankings, isn't that a time for personal inventory? You kind of evaluate where you are with your life, particularly at my age. I only have so many days to go, and I'm spending days doing Mac power rankings. I, you leave yourself open for second guessing there. That would be rough. You know, let's say you only got three months to go or something, 90 days, and you spent one of those 90 days <laughs> wow. power ranking the Mac. I guess it depends how seriously you take your job. That's a good question, probably left for off-air discussions. But here's the way I would do it. If I follow your, heed your advice and I rank the Mac, I would give myself a time limit, a 30-minute time limit to rank the Mac teams. And I've already got Akron last, so i am sort of got a head start. All right. Well, I look forward to that, John. I hope you follow through with that and – I know you are looking forward to seeing whether South Carolina can make the college football playoff, but we both agree that Tennessee is a top 25 team and uh, Athlon having them 18th in their preseason slash postseason projection rankings doesn't seem too far off the mark. We'll see how it holds up. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State.